0: Welcome to episode two of Love and Grief. This is Christina Ross. Um, This episode, you get to hear me cry. And for anyone who knows me, I don't really cry in front of people. Um, I'm just going to have to let you guys listen to it. It's a beautiful story and it's going to if you guys thought you cried in Ashley's episode you are most definitely going to cry in this one um so I'm forewarning you um this is Tanya's story
1: So um, I'm 39 years old, uh, really close to 40 a
0: month away. Um, <laughs> and I'm from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Okay. Is that I'm, I don't know anything about Canada. I do know I yeah. lived in like upstate New York and we were near Canada, but it was Ontario, so I'm not sure where like Alberta is compared to that.
1: Yeah. I'm nowhere near upstate New York. So like um, kind of north of Montana.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So
1: yeah. so we're not on the west coast. Okay. Just sort of in the... Um, like, we have the Rocky Mountains as well. So really close to the Rocky Mountains
0: on our side. So it's beautiful.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> it is. So do you have any kids?
1: Uh, no, I have no children. Um, I have a puppy. Mm-hmm. I have month old puppy, uh, Fozzie is really cute Aww. she's a Morkie, so she's oh my happy she <laughs> that is so cute <laughs> someone, someone recently described her as like you know when little kids say they want a puppy she's exactly that kind of puppy like her face oh. is like teddy bear and she's got the eyebrows and yeah my oh. four-year-old niece just thinks
0: I know my husband wants a puppy and I'm like um no we're not getting I already have a dog (laughs) okay so if you could tell me about your husband his name where you guys met sure uh
1: so my husband's name was Andrew um he was actually from the UK from England uh he immigrated to Canada uh, in the 2000s, in the 2000s. Um, so he immigrated from Sheffield. He just loved Canada a lot. Um, he was a man that really, really lived his life, um, which I think is about the other. Um, I've never been afraid to do basically anything. Um, nor him and uh, yeah we met on actually on match.com so we were both uh, 36 when we met and um, you no know, I was 35 um, but you know we were a little later in life we both had a couple of you know crappy relationships um, and we both been kind of doing things instead of looking for a partner and uh, yeah and we met on Online and went on our first date actually on Valentine's Day, so it's our dating anniversary tomorrow. Um, Andrew loved hockey. Uh, I don't. You're in Arizona, so you probably know the Phoenix Coyotes a little bit. Oh, um,
0: I've been to Andrew one
1: game. I've uh, so good price down there. I should come down and watch a game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should. Sure and get them for a really good deal. Um, he loved to watch hockey. He loved to play hockey. So he roughed hockey. You know, even though he was from England, he was really into hockey. Um, one of his big dreams was to get season tickets to our team, the Calgary Flames. So uh, we had season tickets for uh, a year, well, two years together, which was awesome. I still have them. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was just like the this most generous man and uh, loving. And sweet, Um, and just absolutely the best partner anyone could ask for. Um, You know, he he treated me like I thought women shouldn't treated, and never thought was a real thing. You know, like Mm -hmm. a it was was really fairy tale.
0: What would you say your favorite memory of him is? I have to pick one? Oh, my God. (laughs) You don't have to. You can pick more than one. Um,
1: so, there's so many of them. Um, I used to have this habit of taking pictures of him when he was asleep. He used to fall asleep on the couch because he'd he'd go to work and then he'd play hockey and he was tired and I would take a lot of pictures of him and he'd get all fake upset when he woke up (laughs) and I'd take a picture of him. So there was that, um... And then, uh, just his like, love of the mountains, so he used to just, you know, where we live uh, in Calgary, there's a big, uh, I don't know, we call them highways, I think you guys call them freeways, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a big freeway and we get on it and it heads west towards the mountains and they look beautiful, But every time he would just comment on how beautiful the mountains were. And I was actually thinking about that this morning as I was driving and how much he loved them.
0: Did you guys hike a lot? Uh, not hiking, but we did a ton of camping. So
1: every summer, you know, all week, all the weekends, we could get out and we'd take a couple weeks off and um, spend them traveling through uh, Alberta and British Columbia here, through the mountains and in the forests. We just hang out in the. We uh, actually got engaged, he proposed to me, at our favorite camping spot in the Okanagan um you know so i hadn't had a shower in several days and was tired right? <laughs> <laughs> or i didn't make up my hair was a mess but that um, yeah, was one of those experiences but uh, we just loved camping together um it was so, i mean i grew up camping he didn't but he started to love it when he moved here and then the two of us just spent a lot of time together camping um it's such a great way to spend quality time because you don't necessarily have availability for your technology, mm-hmm. so it's just the two of you, a deck apart, with food, and, you know, traveling around and seeing what's happening, and doing some hiking and some walking, and hot springs, and visiting little towns, and just amazing memories from those days.
0: And I'm sure driving through the mountains just memories all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay so now and i always say this and i don't know why it's like i'm it's trying to warn okay here comes the hard part um so if you need to take a break just that's fine um but let's start by you letting us know what happened so i'm gonna back up just
1: a wee bit um andrew and i got engaged August 2017 and we we planned a long engagement because his family was all in England so we knew everybody would need time to save money and book the time off to come over here for the wedding and so we had booked a a two-year engagement so our our wedding date was um, supposed to be uh, August 17th 2019 and uh... One year before that, August 2018, my brother got married. And right after my brother's wedding, we did, Andrew and I did our annual camping trip. So we always take a couple weeks, two to three weeks in August, and we we took our trip out um, camping to some favorite spots. And uh, my brother and and sister-in-law happened to come with us for the first two days, um, kind of their honeymoon. And one day, the boys went golfing and they came back and Andrew was complaining of having heartburn. And I had uh, cooked a a spicy breakfast called shakshuka, so we just assumed that the breakfast I had made was just too spicy and then um, we continued on our camping trip and he just wasn't feeling well um, we had a lot of forest fires that year so there was a ton of smoke and so we just thought it was that I didn't feel great either um, and so we came home early from our camping trip and then he seemed to get better and then about a month later he got heartburn again So he went into a doctor and they diagnosed him with acid reflux and told him to take some, you know, Zantac or whatever, and acids. And it didn't get better. Um, And then, so middle of October uh, 2018, he went into the clinic again and said, look, this, this isn't getting better. And he was having some other symptoms that didn't quite make sense. Um... And a couple of days later, he was diagnosed with a, a type of cancer called cholangiocarcinoma, which um, it starts in the bile ducts of the liver, so it's a type of liver cancer but it's not the usual one. So liver cancer itself is usually genetic or caused by drug and alcohol abuse, um, which is not Andrew at all, yeah, like beer, but not to that extent. And this cholangiocarcinoma is a cancer that um, actually quite frequently affects healthy young men and they don't know why. So obviously we were completely floored, um, you know, We'd been engaged for just over a year. We were planning our wedding 10 months from then or 9 months from then. Um, at the time we had been trying to conceive, so we'd been trying to have children for a couple of years and we were in the middle of fertility treatments. And so it was quite a shock. And it took us a while to really get answers as to what this meant. Um, We actually had a surgeon tell us that no, he had colon cancer, and they found it and they were going to cut it out, and Andrew was going to be fine. Um, And then we met with his oncologist finally um, in December, who's the one that says it's colangial, although officially he has um, what they call uh, unknown primary cancer, because it was so... And it infiltrated his liver so far they actually couldn't definitively say that it was going to a carcinoma. And so, uh, he started chemotherapy, uh, December of 2018. And again, we were given a lot of hope for the most part that chemotherapy would shrink it and then he would have surgery and, you know, he could have 5, 10, even 20 years. And, uh, And then last February, um, he started having some pain in his abdomen and it turned out he had a a blood clot in his liver caused by the tumors. And from there, things uh, just kind of went downhill. Um, We decided to get married, so we just eloped in our living room and didn't tell any of our family. Uh, We invited one friend each. And got married um, April 19th, sorry, April 20th. We got married April 20th of of 2019. And uh, we went to Mexico for a week. And the first couple days were great. And after the second day, he just uh, wasn't himself. And so we came home and he was admitted to hospital. And then he um, passed
0: away on May 19th, 2019. So. It's been how long now since he's been gone? Um, about eight months. Eight months, okay. How do you feel how do you feel like you're doing?
1: Uh, everyone else seems to think I'm doing oh uh, I feel like I'm a disaster all the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You know, grief brain affects your memory. Um, Simple tasks become really difficult, Uh, that kind of thing. Um, I know another uh, widow about my age, and she lost her, well, they weren't married, but her partner in the summer as well, and she's, she's definitely not doing very well. And I think one of the differences between her and I is her partner died quite suddenly without any notice. And, um, you know, I had time with Andrew. We knew he he was going to die. And um, he was able to make his wishes known, which I think has Kind of been my lifeline. Um, he gave me a list of things that he wanted me to do. For example, um, he wanted me to get the puppy mm-hmm. that we had been talking about getting. So he never got to meet her, but he, you know, he picked out the the breed and the color and the name, and mm-hmm. we ordered a boy. But but the litter was all girls, so uh, mm-hmm. she's a girl. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. He wanted me to learn to play hockey. So in the fall, I took hockey lessons and learned to play hockey. Um, You know, and and there's a few other things that he's asked me to do. And I think that those things are really right now what what keep me going. Um, Like, I I was able to take uh, quite a bit of time off work. I just started back at work in January here. Um, And... That's has been really difficult you know going back to work is, is really challenging after any period of time off um yeah. but especially now but again it's you know i know i need to go to work i need to earn money um you know we had just moved into a brand new home that we built uh, right before he got sick so you know for me it's important to keep the house and to to be able to afford to to pay for my dog's food, and and to continue to do the other things that he wanted me to do. And so I think, you know, that has been really important in kind of keeping me centered. And then um, I have a really wonderful relationship with his family. I talk to his parents at least once a week. You know, I, I chat with his brother and sister regularly, and that also really helps.
0: Um, pardon? I was, I said that's so amazing. Yeah, I'm really lucky.
1: Really lucky with them. Um. um I said the holidays, make it fair to be here, so I went to England
0: for Christmas, for example. Oh. Uh, I, I find it really interesting that earlier when I asked you how you were doing, um, you said that everyone seems to think you're doing pretty good you know like they think they think that you're doing well and i remember so i'm three i'm three years in um my husband died in 2017 um but i remember people saying that like oh you're doing so good you know you're doing so good And I wasn't, and I didn't understand what they meant by that. I think it was because I wasn't like falling down and like sobbing every five seconds in front of them, and I don't know, like not getting out of bed. I don't know what. Yeah,
1: I had someone at work say the other day because you know, like I. I think because of my situation, I actually make an effort, more of an effort on my appearance now than I used to, mm-hmm. you know, so I get up, and I do my hair, and I do my makeup, and I go to work, and someone I hadn't seen for a while, I just saw the other day, and she said, well, you don't look like you're falling apart. Oh, my God. And I was like, no, it's, but this is the this is the mask that we wear, you know, it's uh. like, I, I do my hair, I do my makeup, because... Because I need to look in the mirror and see someone who looks put together in order to do my job. I'm a teacher, so I stand Uh in front of, I teach adults, but I stand in front of adults all day, and I can't, I can't look like a mess, and I need to pretend to be together, and um, yeah.
0: I can't believe she said that to you. Oh my gosh.
1: She meant it, I think, in the nicest of ways. She's a little bit older, and she also asked me how, where I am in the grief process, yeah. which I found real, really, a uh, laughable. Like I don't know. Yeah. Like I didn't what to say that, but, um, but I mean, I also keep in mind something that Andrew and I decided right from the beginning when he was diagnosed that no matter how ridiculous things were said to us, we always promised each other that we would try to take everything as it was intended and not as we understood it. Um, Because I think it is really easy to get your feelings hurt. These people don't know what to say and they unintentionally say very hurtful things regularly. Mm -hmm. And I don't don't think it's okay to use that as an excuse sometimes. You know what I mean? Like I just, I wanna try to remember that people are trying to be kind and helpful and
0: good even if it doesn't come across I it's funny I was literally talking to someone about this and because I exper- a, a friend of mine had said you know so and so lost you know their boyfriend died or something and it wasn't somebody that like I knew personally Um, and uh-huh. she came to me and she wanted to ask me what She was concerned about what she should say to her. Um, She didn't want to be insensitive, but she didn't, she's like, I don't want to say like, oh, I'm so sorry, or, you know, well, he's in a better place. She's like, I don't want to say those things. She says, she asked me, what should I say? And (laughs) I said, well, first of all, I have no clue. I have no clue. And I said, but I will yeah. tell you this, the first year I don't remember what people said to me. I don't remember what they said. I there's, you know, there might be like some things that like stick out to me. Um but for the for the most part, I don't remember what they said. It was just that they were there. It was just that they were there for me. And I find myself now, like, someone will tell me, oh, I, you know, I lost my brother or I lost my sister or whatever. And I feel that same anxiety, like, oh, my God, what do I say? Even though I've been through losing somebody, I've been through grief. I still have no idea what to say to them. And I find myself saying the same, like, cliche things, Um so you're right you know people usually their intentions are good even though they might come what they say might come off as kind of like oh my gosh
1: yeah and I think that's an important thing to remember and sometimes it's hard and sometimes people say something and I I smile and then I walk away and I say for fuck's sake you know yeah language no you're fine that's I go home and I cry about it or whatever Um, but I do have to, I do try to remember that, that other people aren't in the place that I am and,
0: and it's a hard thing to remember, but I uh, was talking, yeah, I was talking to, um, another lady last night and we were, and it wasn't, we, she had recorded with me and we had, you know. The issues with the calls dropping, but we had a really good conversation afterwards about how everybody's grief is so different. They show it different, they process it different, and it's so unfortunate that there's so many people who want to put in their opinion about what your grief should look like.
1: Mm, Yes, You're not grieving the right way.
0: Yeah, like there's no right way. Well, and I think we do it to ourselves. Um,
1: I have a really really good grief counselor actually. Um, I think they're hard to find. And I felt for a long time I was grieving the wrong way. Mm. Because I'm not I mean, I cry regularly, but I prefer to do it on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and she explained that in a lot of ways, there's the, she said that two of the grief languages are feelers and doers. So the feelers are the ones that are a mess and constantly sobbing, and not one way to grieve. And it's usually associated with women. And then there's the doers. Um, now, I'd like to just kind of explain that after my husband passed, I had time off of work, and we had lived in our home uh, about just about a year when he passed away. It was a brand new house, so the backyard was just a big pile of mud. And so I spent the summer, I did basically the entire backyard by myself. You know, I dug these giant trenches through clay, and I laid sod and the topsoil. This is what I did in the summer, and when she was explaining that, you know, the other kind of grief is the doer, someone that does things, I was like, oh, that's mm. me, and it is usually associated with men, um, but it is also a valid way to grieve, and that made me, that comforted me, because I do feel like I don't necessarily grieve the way society expects me to, I guess, um, you know, and i Going through this list that Andrew had for me, I think that you know he just knew me so well, and he knew I'd need things to do, yeah. <laughs> and I did. And I, I, I'm terrified of the moment when the, the list is finished because
0: then what do I do? <laughs> right. Yeah. I I've never I've actually never heard of that before about the feelers and the doers, um, because. I mean, I've now gotten to a point in my grief where I just don't give two fucks about what anyone thinks that I'm doing. Um, it took me a really, really long time to get there. Um, but that first year he died in February and, um, in March 7th, he died February 8th and his birth, my birthday was March 7th. And, um, some friends had that their birthday was kind of close to mine we kind of had this like little get-together you know and they got us a cake that was for all three of us and we went to this like game place it's like a arcade place Mm -hmm. and I had posted like pictures on social media and people were just like wow I can't believe you're like out doing things and I can't believe this and that and it makes total sense and I started working like you know a few months after he died and part of that was I had three kids that I had to take care of and before I was a stay-at-home mom with no job so out of necessity I was I had to work but I also had to do things and yeah it's, I, I'm really happy that you shared that with me because even though now I don't, I don't care, I did so much then. I cared so much what people thought and I'm not a huge crier. I, here I am crying now, but I wasn't then. And I felt like, why aren't you crying at his funeral? Like, why aren't you sitting there? Like, what are people gonna think? You're not sitting there sobbing. And yeah, I had that feeling a lot. Yeah. And I, I, how amazing that she told you that.
1: There's like, a, she gave me a piece of paper and everything, and I it was me to show my family. <laughs> because <laughs> I worried that they didn't think that I was grieving right although they are amazing and wonderful and I don't think that's the case but at the time my brain was like I think I think they want me to cry more and I cry I do cry I I, ha- I but I prefer to cry on my own or with my really close friends and that's about it you know it's it's just not in my nature Public. I mean to be fair I I cried a lot in public at work when Andrew was sick. Yeah, um, and maybe that's why, you know, I I did explain to someone the other day that I think a a lot of my grief happened when he was still here because I I lost him slowly, you know. Yeah. And um, so I was I was grieving for the whole, you know, seven months that he was ill. So, you know, yeah, I'm eight months out, but really that's like 15 months. And I think that, as cliche as it sounds, you know, when people say at least he's not in pain and and they're not wrong. I mean, I'm so. I would do anything to have him back, but if the price of having him back was to have him in, in that much pain for another year or true that I wouldn't want that at all, you know. Yeah, I'm happy because I, I'm happy he's not in pain anymore. Because that last couple of months, he just wasn't himself, he wasn't the man. I mean, he would always be the man that I fell in love with, but he wasn't the man he wanted to be anymore, right? You know, having me take care of him that way, you know, that's what you expect when you're 90. Yeah. No, not when you're
0: nearly forty. And your time together was so short. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's our fourth anniversary meeting tomorrow. So. Well, I will definitely keep you in my thoughts and send you all the good vibes tomorrow. I know those days are so rough. They're really yeah.
1: Rough. Well, my six-year-old nephew has agreed to be my Valentine. So. Oh,
0: my gosh. (laughs) Well, so I'm thinking, and you tell me if you don't want to or not. Can maybe you share one more thing that was on his list that he wants you to do?
1: Yeah, I can. This is a big one. Um, So this week, uh, depending on, on my body anyway, um, we froze his sperms, so I'll actually be starting IVF this week with his
0: sperm in the hopes of having a baby. Wow. That's... Yeah. Do you... It's a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... Are you scared? Which
1: means I have to, you know, keep it together for like another eighteen years or so. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> are you Are you scared?
1: Uh, not at all. Uh, mm-hmm. I've always wanted to be a mom, and we really want to have children. Um, I just I want to try this. Uh, I can only afford to do it once, so I'm gonna do it once and hoped that it
0: worked.
1: Wow. If it, do, if it doesn't, I guess it doesn't. But, um... You know, it was... He was... He, he told me that it, he wanted me to do it, but only if it was the right thing for me. And I knew right away that I wanted to do it, but I took some time to decide, which is, you know... Mm-hmm. Um, it probably was March. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I would have done, done it the day after he died, to be honest. <laughs> right. um, but I think it was good to spend the time to think about it, make sure that it was right for me. And, um, you know, I've got a really good support system. And uh, not everybody knows. <laughs> Since I guess all these people that are going to this podcast. If <laughs> uh, anybody will know so, uh, you know my my family. Some of my family knows. Uh, his, his parents don't know yet, but uh, wow. we don't. I don't. I don't want to stress and all with the, the worry until it's a thing. So,
0: oh my I'm gosh! Really I want to <gasps> start this process
1: and see what happens and
0: and hopefully get a piece of it back. I'm seriously, like, crying so much, and I never cry, and I'm just, I'm so hopeful for you. I'm so hopeful because as much as it hurts me every single day to, especially with my son, my son is just, He's identical to his dad. He's literally just looks exactly like him, and I'm so grateful. I'm grateful that every day that I wake up, I get to see his face through his son, and so I pray for that for you. Thank you. <laughs>